I've been playing a bunch of limited because I there's no reason not to do that right now. This format is pretty fun. I've been enjoying it a lot. It does look good. I'm missing something because like every, all the content creators are like, this is an incredibly aggressive format. And like, I guess the stats on 17 lands like mostly bear that out. But I just keep playing these like grindy power stone based decks and then killing my opponents by casting 10 mana 10 10s. So I don't know. And every time I draft an aggressive deck, I just like either miss a land drop early on and then just like get crushed or I draw seven lands and then get crushed. So <laughs> and like there's no mechanism in the aggressive decks for like making that not happen. So I don't understand what people are doing. Like I'm just being much more successful by playing removal spells and like doing the maximize the amount of mana you spend over the course of a game strategy because you can spend a lot of mana in this format so i don't it doesn't i don't know why you wouldn't it doesn't seem like there's some reason that the aggressive decks would have a leg up over everything else like in other like in gate crash or whatever the only reason that i think i understand is that like the pump spells are extremely good there's giant growth for one there's like one in a green put a plus one plus one counter on a guy and then it gets like every green keyword ability yeah. including hexproof indestructible, indestructible. And trample yeah. <laughs> reach i guess there's a red one that gives like plus two plus oh and first strike and trample i think so like there's really good pump spells but in the absence of those, just like wrecking a combat at least once, probably twice in a game. Like, I don't I, like the aggressive decks are like fine. I don't know. I also put a lot of life gain in my deck. Like there's a pump spell that's like two and a black. Give a creature plus two plus one and lifelink and draw a card. And I keep like casting that and then my opponent can't win the game anymore with their two twos. It's only two mana, right? It's three mana. The goal is to cast it on a six power guy, though, and then you end the game. Well, yeah, that's. A worm coil engine attack often does yeah one way or the other but it's also a second card draw for your like second card draw triggers including there's a five mana four five that once you've drawn two cards has death touch and lifelink and that card's really really good like i don't know maybe i'm just playing like all the anti-aggro cards just by default and so i don't lose to the aggro deck so much but it has felt much better to be anti-aggro than to be aggro maybe you've cracked it and no one else everyone else will catch up later Kind of like call eh, time. I'm I'm just like worse at drafting the aggro decks in this format than maybe I should be. So I probably should figure that out a little bit better. I always find aggro decks much easier to draft. Not to play necessarily, but... I drafted a deck that's like all soldiers and two of the Lord and had like three enlistment officer in it, a recruitment officer. And it like looked amazing. And then I just went two, three with it because my cards just were dudes. And I didn't draw my pump spells when I needed to. And so I just died to like 6-5, gain 6 life. Well, the soldiers aren't in the premium pump spell color. Yeah, I guess. But white is supposed to, like everybody's like, white is so good. White's the best color. It's so good at being aggressive. And I'm just like, the only white common that I love is the 2-1 that dies into a power stone, which is not the best <laughs> attacker of all time. It's a 2-1 for 2. I like that you're just a power stone gamer. I love Power Stones, man. They let your prototype guys be big. They let you activate your activated abilities. They cast your artifacts. Mostly your prototype ones. They they you fun you can funnel the mana through other things. Yeah, there's the prophetic like, prism effect. Yeah, there's there's a prophetic prism kind of thing at common, and there's also chromatic star in the 
retro whatever yeah the bonus yeah in the in the special slot i have first picked chromatic star in this format and been happy about it so well chromatic star is an excellent card it's really good it it synergizes with like every see like all of these cool cards like synergize with all of the non-aggro strategies in the format like chromatic star synergizes with i'd like to draw an extra card on my turn so i can turn on all my stuff uh, it synergizes with splashes. It synergizes with sacrifice, which there's a lot of sacrifice in the set. And every time you sacrifice your chromatic star as an additional cost to play your like two mana removal spell, you feel really smart. Of course, Icker Wellspring is the premium effect to do that yeah, with. It, I mean, that's, it always that's has when you're been. really doing it. Icker, Icker Wellspring is the platonic ideal of the draw card sacrifice space. Yeah. I've I've first picked that one too in this format. Mostly what I want to be doing is putting uh, Might Stone's Awakening on stuff, whether it's Power Stones or Chromatic Stars or whatever. Four mana aura that makes it a 4-4 and you draw a card. And 4-4 is gigantic in this format. Animation. Okay. I thought there was a different card, like Awakening, that I didn't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sure I said the wrong name. But the one that makes your your Power Stone into a 4-4. Animates it. Yeah. I guess it wakes it up to you. If it's a particularly sleepy artifact. I don't know any of those in this format. They all seem like either inert or awake. I mean, Icker Wellspring's a pretty pretty sleepy artifact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really have to wake it up to do anything with it. I need to look at the art on the uh, the retro. Oh, wow, it looks just exactly the same. That's interesting. They really didn't... Uh, it's like they just traced it over. Oh, yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> There's diagrams of a guy at the bottom like getting stuck in it or something i guess is he losing his hands which way does the diagram go oh yeah he is losing his hands i think i think the icker like ate his hands up well the flavor text uh makes that obvious the oil oh, begins yeah. to consume organic tissue okay don't touch it maybe that's why the muradins are all half metal they just have these things lying around really ominous flavor for an artifact that you're just like trying to turn into a divination plus it's very sinister how you do you draw an extra card if you do a thing with it <laughs> i mean when unexpected windfall was big the flavor of that thing is oh look money <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> kind of bummed that we've replaced it with big score i like that name a spell better. that's just like i've inherited money is great though yeah, it's uh, one of the cards in Monopoly you get, one of the chance cards. <laughs> hmm, pay taxes. Don't like that one. Bank error in your favor. That's the one we want. There we go. Sometimes you have to pay the other Monopoly players. That's the worst one. Sometimes you would put money on free parking, which you're not actually supposed to do. That's not part of the game. I enjoy that rule because it makes the game go faster. And you want to spend the least amount of time possible playing Monopoly. So Yes, exactly. It's mm-hmm. like a game that people like when they don't know that other good games exist. Yeah, when you've never played an actual game, like you're fine with Monopoly. And then you play an actual game and you realize like, oh, that wasn't fun at all. Oh, I didn't. This game is much better. Oh, speaking of games, we I just bought a game that I like. It's a word game. It's called Paperback. Hmm. I haven't heard of it. It's pretty small. I haven't heard of it either. But so I'm bad at Scrabble. I'm terrible at Scrabble. And I don't like it. The board game Scrabble. Because mm-hmm. I don't like the emphasis on the where you place your letters. Like, I, I don't like that a two letter word can be like 30 points if you put your Z on the triple words voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And your like seven letter word can be, you know, 
like 10 points or whatever. I just hate that. Well, but once you're playing at a mid to high level, the positioning and trying to block those and stuff, it becomes part of the game. It's not just like random chance if there's a triple word score available. No, like, it's that's not a random positioning chance, game. but I still hate it because I'm, okay. I don't play at a high level of Scrabble or anything. I'm just like trying to play for fun, you know? All right, and if all I'm playing right. a word game, I want my my impressive words to be worth impressive stuff. <laughs> so this this game is it's kind of like a deck building game, but your cards are all letters. You just draw a hand and you try to make words. And, you know, the more you can spell out, the more letters you can acquire. And then you end the game that way. And sure. I've been really enjoying it. I think it's really cool. Cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. We have been playing. We played Unraveled 2, which is a kind of like little big planet sort of platformer, oh, but yeah, explicitly yeah. designed for co-op play. The The game itself is really fun. The way it tries to tell a story is like medium goofy. The music is really, really good. And it is definitely like trying to tell some sort of story, but then it like just kind of skips stuff and then comes to an ending that makes no sense whatsoever and also like a lot of the the story itself is slightly confusing and maybe shouldn't have there's just like as you do the platforming there's like these vignettes of these kids getting like chased by adults in the background of it and they're like all ghosty it's very weirdly put together but the game itself is very pretty and fun so and good good co-op which is not the easiest to find we've also been started thousand year old vampire which is like that journaling game that we, I got a while ago. The whole game is just a book. I don't know what that is. It's, it's pretty cool. You just kind of build a story together. Like you just get these prompts and you have to like use your resources that you have available to you and like the characters that you have set up and stuff and just like create little stories out of the prompts. And then you might like lose an ability or lose an item or something like that or you pick up an ability or you pick up an item but mostly like you're just it's just a vehicle to create stories and it has been fun doing that with somebody else so it looks really detailed i was just looking at the website it's pretty neat yeah it's it's really well put together thousandyearoldvampire.com we played just a few prompts and that like ended with us immediately murdering like every one of the characters that we had set up and created as like her our characters like friends and acquaintances and stuff at the beginning of the game well i guess that makes for a game where you have to make more characters uh, yep no i've just been playing card games the only video games i've been playing is the just card games <laughs> i like card games <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 271 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castoropoulos. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hello there. I'm trying a new formal greeting. Oh, well, greetings to you as well. <laughs> uh, well met. And You can't just keep repeating the Hearthstone greetings. <laughs> Good morrow, sir. <laughs> Top of the day to you yeah you can't actually say top of the morning nobody actually says that 
I did. Well, you, definitely nobody says top of the day to you. All right. We, we're going to have to just keep going. So today, at the top of this day, we're going to talk about, I don't know, just Brothers War stuff in general, things that have happened in Magic. We're, we're just going to take a take a mosey on through like some 5-0 deck lists, some stuff that's happened. We'll look at standard. We'll look at this last weekend of Pioneer Regionals. We'll look at like things that we have seen in modern that are fun. We're not really focusing on anything to like I don't have any tournaments to to try to crush in the next couple of weeks or anything like that. So we're just having fun looking at magic stuff. What's new after Brothers War? Yeah, we're kind of getting on the slow season now. Uh, Watsi hasn't spoiled a new set or started previews yet in weeks. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Thanksgiving happened this past week and like Christmas is coming up and December is always like the slow season for magic. It's kind of the slow season for a lot of card games. They just have like a holiday release in November so everyone can buy cards and then nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Even like Arena, this qualifier weekend in December is sealed. So not no real like the prep for that is play a bunch of sealed. So (laughs) can't can't do too much here. There's a cube one coming up. Did you see that? I know you saw that. I did. I did see the cube Arena open. I cannot wait. Oh my God. See, this is the thing I've wanted for so long. Just like... Oh, you have to run the Pro Tours on Arena? Well, just like you can do whatever. You can make the players play cube. Like you can make that happen. And maybe this is the closest we get is a cube arena open. But I mean, I'll take it. It just means we can do a whole cube arena episode, which I'm looking forward to. (laughs) What is that one? January? I think it's in January. Yeah, I put it on my calendar. I am going to play it. So had the whole weekend booked off. (laughs) Yes. And I assume... You know, I mean, I guess I shouldn't assume this. Hopefully they will have cube up for like two weeks beforehand so you can play that cube and then that will give us time to practice it, do an episode and then go do the oven. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that, but that's also months away now. Yes, but, you know, it's in the pipeline. It'll be something that we do. When does the next phyrexia set come out or the first phyrexia set i guess is that early or late january february 3rd phyrexia all will be one that's a minute i mean it's probably right after the (laughs) the queue thing (laughs) because we'll we'll have spoilers all the way during the pre-releases on the 27th of january so it's basically released on the 27th yeah and hopefully that will contribute more to our artifact decks our standard artifact synergies so we can create decks rather than amalgamations of three cmc cards i was kind of thinking about this the other day i i'm super jazzed that they're doing the block structure essentially for Mm -hmm. this year because we'll have a full thematic which always makes for more interesting decks and formats because you have to balance between synergy or good stuff whereas the last like three years or so it's just been there there's no overarching theme so just you know the best cards you can good stuff Yep, put the strongest cards that you can in every deck. Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Wandering Emperor in the same deck? Yeah, of course, that's fine. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. That's a great step. And then the next year, I just realized it's like Eldraine and Ixlan, and it's, wait, what are we doing? Why why are we doing it backwards? (laughs) I mean, 
in an ideal world, they would have found some unifying themes between those things and like tied them together. And we, you know, sort of construct a block out of them. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I agree that happens in an ideal world. And you could even like construct different random planes that had similar themes, but they have clearly demonstrated <laughs> no aptitude for this or willingness to do it. Yeah. I mean, those planes do have if not necessarily like previous mechanical ties, they definitely have like aesthetic ties and like flavor synergies that you could create create or shove in mechanics that would work in, you know, all of those things. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think it will. But I mean, we'll see. I'm more, like, I'm more excited to see how standard, especially with the RC coming up, how it shapes with uh, as the Phyrexia sets come out. I mean, standard looking at Magic Online, you know, there's some cool stuff. Definitely, like, yes. this Grixis mid-range deck does seem to be the only thing that you're supposed to be playing at the moment. Just the four Corpse Appraiser, th the, the Corpse Appraiser theme deck, really. Yeah, yeah. throw some Shieldreds and some uh, whatever the six mana X artifact creature is. Throw those in there and you're good to go. I don't think you're even supposed to be playing the six mana I've seen artifact it. creature. Yeah, I don't think I think you're just not supposed to be going that big. But I mean, I could easily believe you. Should Corpse Appraiser is good enough on its own. Yeah, I mean, you like never run out of stuff to do anyways. You don't need a six plus drop. But yeah, I definitely have seen some copies of that in those decks. I mean, I guess if you're playing all these mirrors, it's probably like fine. At the very least, it gives you something to think about when you're sideboarding. Sure. <laughs> you know, for the grindy matchup. <laughs> Yes. Oh, Sean got second place in one of these standard LCQs with Grixis with four invoke despair. No, what was his name of it? Blade Coil Serpent? Blade Coil Serpent. The standard last chance on 1127, second place Baron of Bacon. So my takeaway after like watching a fair bit of standard is like there's a bunch of neat things to do, a bunch of like clever grindy things that could be good in the format but they all just like run face first into shieldred which comes down at the same time as you're like starting to do your neat things like i have seen multiple people cast sahili and it's like exciting like ooh, what's the sahili gonna do this game and then there's just a shieldred employee <laughs> making it do nothing and the answer is look embarrassing oh, yeah and you've just got like voltage surge in your hand is your removal spell like okay i don't I don't know about all this right now. Yeah, man, that shielded card is is a monster. Nice. It's pretty good. No, yeah, let's just let's just chat standard. I mean, Grixis is everywhere, but mm -hmm. I I don't know. I, there's what Ari is playing Slice Niagara. Hogpog is Arya, right? Or is that someone else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Arya. Yeah. I, I mean, this is really like humans, just green white humans. Four Thalias, a couple of Catilda Donhart Primes, a full set of Hamlet Vanguard, which we have not really seen yet. That's the one that becomes a monster. It, it's like a reverse Thalias Lieutenant, kind of. Yeah, it gets gigantic, and it's actually kind of hard to kill with the ward ability. It's annoying more than anything else, so it throws off yeah. the curve even more, which is nice. But mm -hmm. I, I like this deck. I just don't think it quite operates on an axis of i have unlimited cards the way that a bunch of other decks in the format do no i do think kayla's reconstruction is pretty helpful for that in this deck although you're you know you're not a nick those decks so you never get to the point where you're just like however many of the top seven are creatures i'm getting them in play 
but this is a deck that plays 31 creatures so this thing for two or three is going to be really good yeah sure and that's that's like the the collected company if you're not familiar with that card because it came out last week yes <laughs> oh i've also seen i mean oh daniel Alcos is playing this blue red deck but i've seen a lot of hottie gin piles in standard sure uh this one in particular got seventh place in this little lcq which is you know four hottie gens two leers and just 30 spells and some blue red lands yeah, yeah including quad brotherhoods end which i think you know makes a lot of sense a lot of times there's just artifacts to clean up in the format there's a lot of artifacts but the sweeper is just good even against grixis midrange the midrange deck they have a lot of creatures in there yeah and the creatures that kind of rely on to set the pace of the game like you're supposed to deal mm -hmm. with their creatures while they keep developing their like way they're controlling you so it helps if you can just cut that all off with one card and not have to like play your creatures spot removal them by a battle for the board so that's cool but like that was part of my strategy my sideboard strategy against Rakdos midrange and pioneer is like bring in a sweeper because if you get their blood tithe harvester and their goblin token from fable then you aren't like that behind against the fable like you're you've made that up a little bit which is why the blood tithe harvester draws out of Rakdos are the best in my opinion I, everyone's caught mm -hmm. up to that now i think but I was pretty early when Rakdos was a meme deck saying that the best Rossell decks when they just played Blood Tithe Harvester on turn two. <laughs> yeah, especially when they just get to like keep attacking you for three with it. Like that's secretly what they want to do. So Hadi Jin and a pile of spells has been showing up. I don't think it really it's kind of like Phoenix deck without the the big top end that the treasure cruises mm -hmm. and the Phoenix is coming back that gives you that big card advantage. Right. So you can kind of tempo people out with it. Hottie Gen is, is very large and helps you grease through your deck really well, but it does not have a lot of late game potential and you start getting into that with uh, all of these Grixis decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you stick a Hottie Gen, like anytime that you go like Hottie Gen and you have a blue up and a negate, I think you're like going to beat most of the mid-range decks, but anytime that you just like can't make that happen your spells aren't going to be good enough to keep up. I do enjoy Hottie Gen making Curate like the best consider. Like super preordained. That is pretty sick. Curate is pretty bad when you don't have a Hottie Gen in play though. Oh, it's horrendous. It's too expensive. I generally have not been playing it in my limited decks because it's too expensive. So just to make you think twice about putting three copies of this in a standard deck. Yeah, it's certainly no impulse, which is also frequently too expensive. Yes. Also legal and yep you know just not not really playable have you seen anything else in the development of standard because i i browsed fire shoes twitter you know the place that you get all standard deck lists briefly yes and nothing Correct. super spicy popped out uh well there's the mono white mid-range decks of various stripes what is the linchpin of the mid-range decks the white ones Mostly, I mean, mostly Wandering Emperor <laughs> yeah. is just, you know, by far the best card in the deck. But you know, they're kind of like the just, you know, smaller, less powerful versions of the white heavy Pioneer midrange decks. A lot of these have like Ambitious Farmhand and Spirited Companions as their twos, just these like card advantage two drops. And then you can play some number of uh, Sarah Paragons. Uh, you can play some number of extraction specialists with those value two drops. You can play Sarah Paragons. A lot of these play AO the Dawn Sky just because it's 
kind of like guaranteed value on your five chop and that four five flying body like threatens planeswalkers threatens life totals really well i mean they really are like wandering emperor is the best card in the deck and that that's kind of really helpful to it existing uh usually play four wedding announcements a lot of them play like a lot of reckoner bank busters too which is interesting and not something that like i would have thought to do to put these together uh but i'm sure that it's pretty good in these decks uh also you get a really good removal spell you just get to play lay down arms as your removal spell in your mono white deck so that's pretty nice cool yeah i mean uh, do you think the white bed range piles do anything to combat the format because it doesn't they don't play i mean they get the wandering upper and they can get wedding announcement but do they have enough cards to compete with the grixis menace the shieldreds and the such it's hard to say they're actually not bad against shieldred because you're like not drawing extra cards and your your spells aren't really your removal spells aren't like gated by the things you know shieldred is surprisingly hard to kill because it has five toughness but actually your removal spells just all kill shieldred uh so it kind of like matches up reasonably well and grinds really hard I don't think you do particularly well against like the haughty gin decks or anything <laughs> like that. So you may be fine against Grixis. It may be like kind of similar to in Pioneer, the mid-range white decks were like, yes, I beat the crap out of Rakdos. I've got a 60 something percent matchup against Rakdos mid-range. But boy, oh boy, if there's an island on the other side of the table, I am not happy with my situation. And that's probably like kind of similar here. I want to call out a, a cute little deck that I like a bunch which is the, the five color legends deck. Yes. The Joda theme adorable. deck. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Joda and all the rainbow lands that let you play various colored humans mostly. Cause there's a lot of legends that are humans. And then you get to just cascade into other legends and Joda just makes them all huge and you get to kill them really quickly. Mm-hmm. I like this deck a lot. It's really cool. And when it works and when it's good, it, it seems really powerful. And you get a Gwena pickup on this. That's the yeah. The eyes. Gwena's game. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a legend and uh, you know, Adds makes two mana, two mana creatures. of any combination of colors and untaps when you cast Joda. That's great. Uh, and she gets counter, which matters because every point of power just makes the board harder and harder to deal with. If if your opponent casts a Gwena, you have to kill it. Like. That's just how these like three mana tap to add two mana cards work. Like you have to kill them. And usually if you do, like you're in really good shape. But if you don't, like you're going to get bodied. I saw a list with Liberator versus Battlethopter, <laughs> which is a flying legendary colorless creature. It lets you play artifacts and it's a speed. It's, it just doesn't matter at all. But whenever you, I think it's whenever you cast a spell, right? It gets larger. Whenever you spend more mana on a spell than it has power, you get to put a yes. plus one, plus one counter on i've cast this in limited a bunch of times so far the artifacts have flash clause is also irrelevant in limited it has not come up one time yeah it's just like a flying creature that you can dump alana and elena or fly over with joda like either one Mm -hmm. you get because that deck had a really good way to get onto the battlefield especially if any draw involved katilda which is the the mana dork yeah but you're just all ground pounders so you could get chomped out pretty easily but with urza's Battlethopter, you can actually close out games for, without having to, you know, assemble a million brutal cathars or what have you. Plus, whatever combination of lands you drew, you can cast your Liberator versus yes. Battlethopter. Though it does not provide me with uh, 
positive heroes, unfortunately. That's true. That's true. But hopefully one of your other like 25 legends will. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just really like that deck. I think it's quite powerful. Admittedly a little one-dimensional. Yeah, of course. But it's doing one thing, which is getting to Jota. And Jota is pretty good whenever you successfully do that. Yeah, Jota's really good whenever you successfully do that. Just having the immediate board impact makes that card a lot different than kind of previous iterations of a similar effect, like Rashmi from Kaladesh. Yeah, um, I did see a... Let me see if I can find it here. I think it was just in the 5-0s. A mono-red deck that costs two ticks. So oh, perfect. if you want to get into it... <laughs> You can you can play this 20, 20, 20 kind of deck. All four ofs, except for mm -hmm. the three cards in the sideboard, because you can't have 16 cards in your sideboard. And 20 mountains. This is the perfect deck list. We don't we don't need the one Sokanzan in this. That's just not necessary. We're just doing 20 mountains. I mean, if we had a Sokanzan, we're like quadrupling the price of our deck. I know. That's it's brutal. You just can't do it. Monastery Swiss Spear, Phoenix Chick, Rabbit Battery reinforced ronin <laughs> falcon wrath pit fighter we reach a little bit to get all the one drops in there and then we get our squee dubious monarch as our like ersatz rebel master and then pretty decent burn spells and play with fire and lightning strike and then reckless impulse is good when all of your cards cost one mana so i don't know and obviously kumano faces cock is on so you can have opening hands with a playable magic card in it so that's nice well, hey, I mean, you don't have to play that many playable magic cards if your plan every game is to go one drop into double one drop. Like, that's yeah, that's always pretty solid. Sometimes that will just kill people. And Monastery with Sorcerer is a really good one drop, legendarily good. Yeah, maybe not particularly in this list because you don't often want to play it very early. <laughs> yeah, but I do like that you can do swiss spear and kumano faces kakazan in standard so maybe not exactly this list but some some combination of cards involving those two i'm kind of trying to look at how this deck deals with shieldred just a five toughness creature that gains life you just kill them beforehand yeah i guess that's the answer you, you hope their lands are like kind of shitty and you just deal as much damage as you can as quickly as you can okay cool <laughs> I guess there are four rending flames in the sideboard of this, so yeah, it does five damage. But I've always disliked the yeah the sided a terrible removal spell against the unbeatable five toughness creature plan. Yeah, here I know you have a million Banesler Angels, so I'm going to get my three mana for five damage card, so I stand a chance. And then they don't draw their Baneslayer, and you have two of them in your hand. You just lose yeah. anyway. If you if you draw it and they don't Baneslayer, you lose. If they Baneslayer and you don't draw it, you lose. Like, it's not a good situation. The best plan is just they don't have it. Yeah. Yeah, those are kind of my thoughts on Standard. I have not been, like, actively playing it yet. The first thing that I want to try is actually, like, completely sideways from any of this. And I don't believe that it's going to be good. But I do want to try, like, green-white artifact-based aggro with the, the teething worm and the green white guy that puts a plus one plus one counter onto a creature whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control uh and then there's like a surprising number of playable cheap artifacts including yoshin frontliner for one mana with unearth for one mana and uh, i think you can probably actually kill people pretty fast with that and just kind of like get huge with your plus one plus one counters over time so you know i'm gonna goof around with that a little bit at some point but 
since nobody else has been winning with it, I don't have like a ton of confidence that it's a great strategy. It probably falls into the normal green-white pitfall, which is that you don't really have a good plan if games go long. Like you're just yes. doing the same. You're just building up creatures. That's all you can ever do. Yeah, and my like thought for that is the three mana enchantment that lets you draw a card whenever whenever you have a cheap creature etv could sideboard that for grindy matchups or something like that but this is all like things i have to mess around with that are not particularly thought out yeah man i wish that uh, yosh dissident is the green white card i wish it were larger than a one one yeah coming down and just immediately dying even if you like put a counter on it it's gonna die to a play with fire or whatever it's a little tough but that one is not capped so if you like play it and get like two cheap artifacts into play you know it can really go off it's like you know the mythic uncommon in the limited set because of the way that it just like dominates battlefields sure and it works with treasures so that's yeah, cool. works with treasures and blood tokens and whatever. Well, I don't know how much blood you're going to be acquiring in green white. <laughs> food tokens. I food in standard. Uh, Briar Bridge trackers. Yep, clue the one token. clue token card. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> if you faithful absence your own card, you get it to clue. Yeah. Old old Rutsteins. Mm. Uh, if you, as long as you don't hit the insect, I don't. That might that one might not be a deck. I thought that was a great black one. That, that is a green black one that's tough to put together yeah we don't have enemy colored trilands we did have more regionals happen it is a little tough to figure out what happened because i don't have a lot of confidence in uh, the melee like win percentages on there because i know there was some weirdness about like what was actually being counted and stuff and what was not and for example I mean, some of these like kind of sound about right, you know, mono white humans at 53 something percent, uh, like, you know, it doesn't sound wrong, but you only have to be off by a couple of percent either way for it to like completely change the narrative of what's going on. And I know at one point it was like wins over decks that didn't that the player's archetype was unknown counted and losses to unknown archetypes like didn't count <laughs> for win percentage so i uh, until i know that these percentages are right i, I just don't want to lean on them too hard but what we did see here i think is that lotus field like for the third weekend in a row like was playable in pioneer which means that it's good that's kind of surprising you know the the weekend before regionals it had a decent performance online and then i think it actually US, had a really good performance online it had it had a good weekend online yeah and then it had a good performance in like the u.s regionals weekend and the other ones that happened at the same time it had like a 58 percent win rate had the highest win rate in the field uh because people were just preparing for other things and then again on this weekend you know nobody has really like stepped back and been like okay i gotta make sure to be prepared for lotus field and have my whatever damping spheres or or whatever in the sideboard nobody's adding damping spheres to their otherwise normal decks yeah it certainly does not hurt the lotus field is the kind of deck you just don't like pick up on a whim like everyone who's still playing is like, oh, I'm going to play this deck. I like it. I played it a lot. No one's going to yeah. audibly into Lotus Field. <laughs> That's true. Nobody's like picking it up and stumbling through six rounds of the tournament and then not making day two. No, like, no one asks their friends, hey, what should I play for the RC? <laughs> their friends are not going to respond. Lotus Field, just here. Here's a deck. 
which, you know, to be honest, like as far as combo decks go, like Lotus Field is not the most complicated in the world. No, it's not. But it looks weird. It looks really right. weird. If you're just looking at a deck list, you like see all these black cards and triple colored cards and you just Lotus Field and you got to figure out how you went after that. <laughs> you can yeah. easily walk through it. But if you just are at the day before an event, you look at a deck list, you're like, I'm good. I'm just going to play this Rectus deck. <laughs> if you played one league of it, you'd probably be in like reasonable shape to just like play it competitively after that. My experience has been as long as the Lotus Field and a Thespian stage are online, like it's pro you're probably going to figure out something pretty good. You can probably point. mess up like three times in your combo turn and still win as long as like Leer or Omniscience are involved. If you're not running into hate cards, like you are strong enough to just kind of overcome, eh, I kind of screwed that up a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's very powerful when you draw your whole deck. <laughs> yes. And it's very bad when there is a damping sphere in play on the other side of the table. Yes. But as long as people aren't putting those in their sideboards, then you're good. Which they're not. It's just the Monogreen Devotion has some, has one. Mm -hmm. Not even all the time anymore, which is surprising, but is the Yeah, world. I mean, people are just disarming themselves against lotus field and it, it keeps doing well each weekend so may, maybe start being aware of that i didn't you know i didn't change i didn't think about that at all i didn't allow it to contribute to any of my decision making which i didn't play against it so it didn't matter but that's kind of what i assumed would happen but it's probably going to start happening more now it's still a small percentage of the field compared to just about everything else but i mean as long as it remains ignored playing it is probably your best plan in pioneer for sure, as long as you've got the reps. Honestly, if you're just picking up Lotus Field on a whim, just don't sideboard. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. You, you're more likely to mess up how your deck works uh, than anything else. Uh, one thing that is completely off the wall bonkers to me here is the Japan Regionals Top 8, <laughs> which features six Rakdos midrange decks. Yeah, but Shuhei winning with Monogray. Yep, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. There is a glory bringer in one of these Rakdos midrange decks. The mirror breaker. Yeah, it's probably tough. I mean, it at least gets an attack in before you dreadbore it in the mirror. And uh, one one of the things that got picked up for about a week is that a lot of people's dreadbores got replaced by power word kills. Yeah, <laughs> Glorybringer survives. It is a dragon. It doesn't kill Shieldred, which kind of sucks. Uh, it doesn't win like that arms race straight up. Mm -hmm. But it can take out like a Bone Crusher Giant or a Kalidus or whatever, and that's really good tempo swing in the mirror. Yeah, I I don't know if it's exactly what you want, but Probably I'm sure. Not. I guess it didn't catch anyone by surprise because it's open deck list, but it probably messed some people up. I like this uh, Japanese blue-white control deck in, by Kazuya Kiyofuji. Mm -hmm. Four discontinuities, four strict proctors, four Lotus Fields. Yeah, I, I, I think that Lotus Field in Pioneer is so much closer to being just great as like a control deck than, than anybody actually realizes. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you just play Strict Proctor, ignore the Lotus Seal drawback, play your Lotus yep. Field, uh, and then you can just start discontinuating your opponent out of the game, which is the uh, time stop card. It's the six mana yep. time stop in the turn, and if it's your turn, it costs four less to cast. Mm -hmm. You can cheat Lotus Field triggers with it on turn three because you have two mana. You just play the Lotus Field, discontinuity yourself in response to the trigger. Yeah. 
That one is a little risky. The Strict Proctor line like just works. You you resolve Strict Proctor, you play Lotus Field. There, there's no way for your opponent to interact with that. You just get your Lotus Field. The I'm going to play my Lotus Field, cast Discontinuity, hope I don't get spell pierced. I mean, I guess worse like you just end up with a Lotus Field in the correct amount of lands, so it's not like utter I think it's your definitely your second tier proposition. You don't want to be doing Yeah. That. But against it's some decks, great, it's like really but it's not, safe. It's not like you get like Armageddon or anything like that. You know, you definitely want to Strict Proctor. That one they can't do anything about. Yeah, because you can't kill it in response to it. It's just in play and then you play your Lotus Field. You're good to go. I mean, I love this. I have no idea if this is like actually good enough, but I, I, I'm I, so glad that it top aided here. I can't wait for people to play it more. I, well, if people look at these results. They should. I look at this top eight. Shuhei won Shota in third place. Like... This is great. This is a great regionals. Yeah, showed it on Rakdos, surprisingly, to me. He's, he's more of a, you know, Grixis-only gamer. Not exclusively, <laughs> well, but that's what he loves, right? You just don't need the blue in Pioneer. It doesn't add anything to these decks. True, true. But it's disappointing for all the Shadow Yasuoka fans out there. Relatively stock Rakdos, although he is up to three Liliana of the Veil, which has not been very popular lately. Maybe a nod to the control decks, which, if these numbers are to be trusted, which they are not, had a Azorius control had a 57% win rate in Japan regionals and showed up in like pretty decent numbers. Makes sense to have a bunch of Lilianas in your Ecto's deck, and I, looks like should have got paid off for that. Do you know if they have any kind of control on the naming for these regionals? On these are FMTG melee. I don't know. MTG melee is terrible at deck lists being named correctly it doesn't look like there's any well okay there's there's a handful of like wild names there is a well maybe there's an actual four color garuda deck in the in this tournament who knows it went two five which is about what you would expect a four color <laughs> garuda deck to do so i don't know maybe these are all because these these look like real archetype names I don't know how tightly that was controlled, though. Well, I'm just saying, because that's all connected to how MTG Melee formulates stats. Yeah. So unless someone like looked at, looked at these deck list numbers and then compiled their own stats, it's always going to be influenced by people. Just a blue-white mid-range deck, or blue-white, like a mono-white deck splashing blue for a card just being named as Aureus Control. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. So I'm not going to take these numbers particularly seriously, because who knows? Anyway... Moving on from the best region, Japan, <laughs> where Rakdos reigns supreme. Kind of, kind of the funnest region, at least the most chaotic. Six Rakdos decks in the top eight. How on or, and you know Rakdos in other regions sporting like an impressive like forty nine point five percent win rate, uh, but here just six of the top eight slots. Forty nine percent win rate sounds like another deck that got banned in Pioneer not too long ago. <laughs> I guess it is the demure inverter of the format, and that explains six of eight slots. Yeah. Uh, Southeast Asia being won by Karuga Fires. Uh, this deck still sucks. Wow, shots fired, Karuga Fires. Why does it suck? You have to explain yourself. I just don't understand the purpose of it. Like, you're good against Rakdos, you're like not actually good against almost anything else. <laughs> your temporary lockdown like has to be good, which just demands that your opponent's draw kind of runs into it, and the deck just your cards are so expensive yeah but if you play a bunch of expensive cards you get to play karuga so you get to draw more mm -hmm. 
I mean, when you just have fires of invention and you get to keep fires of invention, then it's great. I think that's but when the you don't, <laughs> and you draw a Cavalier of Flame without fires of invention in play, and you just have like Kenrith and Cavalier of Flame are pretty much blank pieces of cardboard when you don't have fires of invention in play. I I agree with that. Uh, I think this deck is really bad unless you have fires. But when you do have fires, it's it's very good. It's quite hard to beat which is why i think it's yeah. i'm easily <laughs> it can easily run a tournament like this one yeah and there's another copy in 10th basically identical deck list because <laughs> again there's not much uh tinkering yeah, around with these neither of them picking up the the prototype card the two three that you prototype as a oh you know yeah the green card the, the one that 15s them yeah I don't think anything really jumps out to me except for we have the enchantment deck enigmatic incarnation getting an eighth place here uh, with, mm-hmm. with a truly horrendous looking creature base but oh my goodness <laughs> what yeah just nobody has quite solved this yet and just there's both creatures. a siege rhino and a zur <laughs> eternal, eternal schemer these are cards are both in this deck if you don't want zur is it's a three mana <laughs> Card. It animates your, your your enchantments. I don't. It also gives them hexproof and lifelink. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident, but I I feel like I could play an entire tournament with this deck and never have Zer be the three that I want to get with incarnation. Yeah, but it's sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a, certainly a commitment to black mana if you're playing Gloomshrieker, Zer, Siege Rhino. And just uh, are we still playing Trial of Ambition? Yep, one trial. A singleton, one Trial of Ambition. So you still have to maintain the mana base that allows you to cast Trial of Ambition, but yeah, at least you draw it less. I guess you don't win the games where you cast Trial of Ambition. Uh, Sorcery Speed Edict doesn't do anything in Pioneer. I do want to point out the one bitter reunion on this deck. Uh, that is, I believe, the best card in this deck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I flip over to Canada real quick, I know uh, Dominic Harvey got 15th place in Canadian nationals or Canadian regionals playing. Yeah, and in uh, American dollars, that's worth like 10th place or so. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Also, I mean, Dom had his early eternal schemer too. Maybe there's something about this card. I, but I yeah, also I know. So. That makes me more likely any, to any, trust anyway. it. The, the four rare reunions in Zom's deck is, I think, super correct. This card is in, absolutely incredible. Yes. Uh, but I also know that Dom played this deck specifically because he loves it. Like, he has fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of being a particularly front-running choice for competition. Sure. sure. It's just one of the more fun decks in Pioneer. I'll ask Nick about the Zers at some point. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to message him on Discord now, and we'll see uh, if he responds by the time this podcast ends. Sure. Uh, also of note, Medvedev registering Selesnia Angels and top eighting with it. You know, a deck that is actually two Angels decks in the top eight yeah, of the third, Southeast Angels. Fifth? Yeah. A good showing for the Angels deck that I don't know really delivers on the promise of being good against mono green, but sometimes your companies are just hot and you put together a lot of power and toughness. It does deliver on the promise of being a good green white aggressive deck. Like it flying creatures are yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, it puts a lot of power and toughness into play. 
and pretty quickly too especially with uh like both of your two drop start, starts giada and mm -hmm. youthful valkyrie do it in different ways but you still get the power and toughness on the board yep no steel seraph in either of these lists which is yeah i just don't think you can but... put creatures that you can't company or kayla's reconstruction into yeah like you just have to be max hits for those cards especially once you start playing kayla's reconstruction too you gotta gotta be on board with it yep like if you're having if you're playing seven to eight collected companies you gotta hit with them <laughs> <laughs> and honestly the the presence of just playing seven collected companies in your deck means you know what your deck is about you're just putting creatures on the board and trying to kill your opponent right preferably two two or more at a time yes which you know works really well your righteous valkyries then see each other and you gain a lot of life and ideally you have a lot of antheming going on Not righteous valkyrie is really the both the left hook and right cross of this deck like this, this is just the card that makes this deck work. I, every time I play against this card or see it in play, I have to read it just to make sure. Why does it... You got to get all the numbers right. Yeah. Seven more life. And then how how do you gain life? Oh, angel or cleric. And you gain life equal to its toughness. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then it I gives creatures it. plus two plus two, not plus one plus one. <laughs> See that one I know. I yeah, know that it kills it, as long as you hit the thing, you 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 die. It's very impressive as long as it's turned on. Yeah, the exact mechanics life? of how you get there, though, I usually need to make make sure that I realize. Another Zorius control deck, and this one, it's not the spicy strict proctor version. It's just a normal blue white control. Uh, no, I'd be kind of shocked if we saw two <laughs> Lotus Field blue white controls in top eights on the same weekend. It'd be cool though. Yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, Blue Eye Control is one of those decks where it just do doesn't do well in Pioneer, but it somehow makes top eight in like every tournament. Somebody good plays it in each tournament and has like made a deck choice that costs them percentage because they love playing Blue White Control. Yeah, I mean, that could be it. I know Nassif played Blue White at his regionals too, right? And <laughs> yes. ba barely missed top eight. Yep, because Nassif is really good. Yeah. Possibly the best player in that tournament. Yep, it's uh, definitely in the best of all time magic player conversation. <laughs> and I mean, he also streams too, so he's playing several hours a day. And it's not like focused testing necessarily, but he knows the format inside and out because he's playing so much of it that he has those like easy reads of opponents' hands and stuff that yeah. come from playing the format. So like, yeah, be it. <laughs> a scary opponent in any of these tournaments. I also just enjoy watching this new stream because he just enjoys playing the game. Yes. And it shows. It's like very obvious. All right. We have to go to a different region because I sorted this deck list page wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I, I appreciate too how you scroll down to the archetypes and they're by default sorted by match win percentage. <laughs> so the one of deck that somebody went 7-2 with just shows up at the top of the list. Yeah, because they were the only person in the tournament. Yep. I mean, we could switch to a different regionals or we could switch to a different format. Yeah, I mean, I mean are you done with Pioneer? Do you want to mention any sweet things you, you know, were expecting to see but didn't? Like Grease Fang or what have you? Grease Fang is bad. Don't play Grease Fang. It continues to underperform. There was... Oh, oh, can I... Have we talked about the Thassa's, the four Thassa's Oracle deck? We mentioned it on a previous episode. Because I want to redeem myself just a smidgen before we move on from Pioneer. 
Okay. Because there are two different decks I saw that are neat. So mm-hmm. one of them is in Canadian. Yeah, Canadian Nationals. Uh, 21st place was a Demir Thassa's Oracle deck, which was kind of like the the one we saw earlier, like four Demonic Bargains, mill mm-hmm. yourself out, Thassa's Oracle, play it, you're, you're done, you win the game. Mm-hmm. This deck plays Falaji Architect, or Archaeologist. <laughs> <laughs> which is the card I said is only good in very specific scenarios but it's seeing play so i feel that yeah this is one of them you showed me that musasabi you pointed yeah, that's the other out, one i want to talk about the musasabi 5-0 i mean that that just guy ascendancy list was was hot yeah, uh so this I, is just guy ascendancy really like but not the uh rude awakening version where you animate all your lands and sylvan awakening is actually what the card called uh, you animate all your lands and then just like easy mode just guy ascendancy combo this is actually a emery Jeskai Ascendancy combo. I don't have the list up here, so I'm just doing it from memory. Where you you play Emery, and then you get one of your Tormod scripts into play, which I believe is only a two of. Okay, sure. But, <laughs> uh, and then you just play that Tormod script over and over and over and over again, which untaps Emery every single time. You exile your opponent's graveyard, obviously. And you just make your creatures a million times big and kill them. Uh, what's neat about that deck is it plays a lot of cool Brothers Word card, like Falaji Archaeologist, which fuels your Emery and gets you closer to finding Ascendancy. And also plays Mishra's Research Desk, which is a card you liked, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to dig more. Uh, it's just like a cool, a really cool Ascendancy list. Yeah, um, also, sorry, I, I was like grabbing the list, but did you mention that it's a Bitter Reunion deck as well? I did not. That is important. It is, let's play four Bitter Reunions, so you can combo from playing emery from your hand and killing them yeah and even if you're not comboing right then like giving an emery haste is very very good just get your card out of it help you keep going is super important yeah i mean you'd have to already have an ascendancy in play for emery to be good because it's not like your mistress bubbling and pioneer you're not getting a card out of emery unless you're like i guess getting back a research desk (laughs) yeah but like you play a bunch of research desks I, i don't think that's like that crazy yeah uh, you probably, uh, if you have extra, you're probably holding. Games. You're probably trying to have ascendancy in play. Play your Emery, give it haste. But like that's very impressive that you can do that. The redundancy makes it good because if you have two bitter unions, a second one doesn't do anything. So you can crack to get a value play out of an Emery, especially if you have multiple Emerys. Like it makes it so that your hands where you just have too much of one piece do something, uh, which is kind of why combat carrier and which is and Mistress research desk are good combat carrier mm-hmm. is the unearth uh it's basically a clue it's a one one clue <laughs> sure this list this more recent 5-0 list from someone who has adapted the deck includes a blister spit gremlin as one of the creatures this is this is from a it is a red mana for a one one oh. gremlin one tap it deals one damage to each opponent whenever you cast a non-creature spell untap blister spit gremlin i'm not confident that you need this to lethal your opponent when on your jeskai ascendancy turn but you certainly do not <laughs> i think you just try to like ascendancy into another bitter reunion and then haste up your like tokens that you've made or whatever and then kill them with gigantic just guy ascendancy tokens you just kill them you what's neat about the combat carrier is that it has unearth and unearth cards are really good with just guy ascendancy because mm. you can get multiple uses out of them like combat carrier you can play and rummage it a rummage sure. with it or you can rummage it away and then unearth it later and it gets all the stat bonuses from every spell you play after that 
yeah. uh, which gives you a creature with haste you can attack so even if you don't have bitter reunion somehow you still get to kill them yeah though usually if you have just guys in in play they're just dead that's like the whole idea yeah. That's the whole point. the The deck is put together such that resolve Jeskai ascendancy. Probably you kill them, mm-hmm. and it's nice to just have a little bit of utility here and there. Yeah, but I just wanted to point out that I was, was a little correct on Flaji Archaeology. No, yeah, no, it's great in this deck for sure. I have not heard back from Nick on my last minute text. <laughs> well, we may not get there this episode. That's all right. Um, you want to talk about the aspiring spike red green deck in modern? Yes, I do. I, I like this deck. So this is... Hmm. I don't want to say the only deck I've seen Brothers cards impact Modern with, but... Oh, oh, Nick just Nick just replied to me. Oh, great. So, quote, 7-7 seven, seven, Leyline Binding, big. Okay. I guess you just couldn't kill guess. people with it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it does you have just... Like, yeah, and it gets lifelink, right? So you just will win the combat then but he he also says it's mostly not worth it which sucks because it's very sweet which it further okay. further cements my theory of why dom was playing it <laughs> okay fair enough good good to have all that information okay anyway modern <laughs> yeah <laughs> so brothers war i have not looked at how much it's impacted modern but i have looked at this sweet aspiring spike deck list which is <laughs> green red food using a lot of brothers wars cards actually uh it's an asmore deck so asmore underworld cookbook finale of devastation feasting troll kingo which is still devil ram and six gilded goose those are like the the normal hits that you see in these decks like the, they're well, all four ups they're there feasting troll king is one of those that like gets cut pretty early on in the life cycle sure. of any of these builds but there, there is a reason why it's in this particular build yeah uh, you got a lot of self mill in this build so uh one of the new cards is that kind of the main new card is sarath steel seeker which is a one and a green card which whenever i believe it's whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control uh, you look at the top card of your deck if it's a land you put it in your hand if it's not you mill it Mm-hmm. So it fuels you really well with all these food tokens and just artifacts you're playing. Uh, you start dumping things in the graveyard. You can get back Mistress Research deck, Desk, which is a one of in the deck. Uh, you can get back Feasting Troll Kings. You can get back, I guess, any creature with the Underworld Cookbook, but that never happens. It mills Oval Chase Daredevils, which is really important because you know how bad Asmore decks are without Oval Chase Daredevil. You got to hit it. You don't super want to draw it, and you definitely don't want to draw multiples, but hitting it somehow is really good. Yeah, and one of my favorite cards, though, honestly not the most overperforming, is Scrapwork Mutt, which is Mm -hmm. the tiniest little artifact dog in the Brothers' War. Uh, it's two mana for a two one. If the unearth for a one and a red, and when it's the battlefield, you can rummage a card away. So that's another yeah. enabler for Asmore, and it has unearths. So you can get multiple uses out of it. Uh, and this is it. Also, is really really nice to have a little bit of rummaging for when you are doing like multiple oval chase daredevils. Then you get to like, you know, you have an artifact brings two of them back. You can discard one of them to cookbook, but you know that then what are you doing with the other ones? So you get to loot them away and like turns them into some number of real cards when you have some rummaging going on. Yeah, real cards is a little debatable because... There aren't many real cards in this deck. <laughs> yeah, most... The the kind of the strength of this deck is the only real card in your deck is Asmore and the cookbook. Uh, everything else 
basically gets played from the graveyard. Like Feasting Troll King is your main, I'm, you know, putting a bunch of power into play now. Uh, and Scrapwork Mutt is just working you, and, and the Steel Seeker as well. They're just working to get you closer to the large cards. Really, it's just trying to activate Urza Saga as many times as possible. Yes. Like Steel Seeker draws you Urza Saga, which is a spell that it gets to draw. And, you know, in other formats, it wouldn't be able to draw something like that. And then you have Ren and Six to, like, keep doing Urza Saga over and over again. And the so I think that's most... always a tight Urza Saga text. Like, they don't do anything yes. about Urza Saga. That's how they win, right. usually. <laughs> and, and this one is much better at finding Urza Saga than any of the other ones have been in the past. Uh, I just I just think this deck is it's been doing really well for Spike and it looks like a blast. I like it. Yeah, it's neat. I be honest, I haven't looked much at modern past that. It's been <laughs> or at least as far as like Brothers War stuff is concerned. Like I know Merktide's still doing well, Breach is still doing well. People are finally saying that Third Path Iconoclast and Mistress Research deck are just not good in the deck, which both track. Uh the deck is already pretty <laughs> well, good. I, I found it funny that like I, I don't know if you saw but like Jesse tweeted out a list that had a Mishra's research desk in it and then a date not even a full day later was like no sorry don't play the Mishra's research desk because <laughs> of the chance that you exile your one Thassa's Oracle with it and then can't win the game anymore. Yeah I, I think that is a small concern but it, there's no reason to it, it's like not worth that much to mm-hmm. not play it. Granted, you do still people see people play it. I see it in deck lists all the time. Maybe just because Jesse posted the first draft SNA, maybe, and the correction was just don't do this. <laughs> but this, uh, so this winning list from the LCQ, this list that won that five owed it has a Mishra's research desk, and this is not the list that Jesse had posted. So you know, some people are are fine with it. It, it is nice to be able to get a true value card with urza saga like there's not really another one available that can do as much digging and as much card advantage but there is some risk there yeah it's it's your icker wellspring you you found at the discount bin yeah Uh, i I haven't really seen anything sweet and modern past then it's just mostly the same decks people have been playing which is not too surprising modern's a a huge format with a lot of really format defining cards (laughs) oh spike also did 5-0 this uh lcq with his food deck oh, okay i thought you were gonna say the shape a new deck which i saw him post on twitter which was like shape oh, a new no. out a portal to new portal to Phyrexia. sure uh, and then getting back i think avalanche riders to kill your opponent's lands but it was it was wild i don't have the deck list in front of me <laughs> i beat a portal to Phyrexia in draft yesterday Ooh, how'd you do that so we are playing this very weird game where I was activating Lauren a bunch of times to try to like get okay. cards. <laughs> and then my opponent was leveraging the extra cards by like playing prototype monsters with the lands that I had given them. <laughs> and then just like cast portal to Phyrexia off of nine lands and zero power stones and killed my stuff. But it included killing the Lauren. So I was able to raise dead my lauren and, and then kill the portal. portal to phyrexia <laughs> that's pretty nice <laughs> but i i drew the raise dead a turn too late and so if my opponent had been really thinking about it they would have taken the lauren first to make it like unavailable to me because there's a fair number of like rebuy effects in black white which i was so you know got there but it was very scary <laughs> yeah this this deck was a shape a new deck which 
Shape Anew is a transmogrify, but it only works for artifacts. So you can play it with, you know, creatures and artifacts in your deck, unlike uh, yeah. Indomitable Creativity. Yeah. yeah. You just, like, get away a food token or a treasure or whatever. Uh, but mostly the mar- modern decks that come across my interests are the weird ones that are, kind of stand out a little bit. Like, I saw someone was doing well with uh, Tameshi because that's on my radar people are doing well with yogmoth still uh, and then just the normal decks lots of lots of underworld breach yeah lots of breach lots of rakdos scam still a fair number of omnath decks whether you have karuga or i guess they mostly do have karuga these days a little bit uh this is a oh this is the bring to light scapeshift karuga deck which i don't i don't know if i can get behind this Oh, the one with uh, Soul of Wind Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this deck just doesn't look like it beats modern decks, but I, I'd have to see it in action more, I guess. Uh, it's weird that it's it's really leaning on four search for tomorrow, three fire and ice to like play the game. Yeah, that's all you have for like below three. You know, I guess you have Leyline Binding on, ter- on turn two a fair amount of the time, but blech. I mean, that's actually not that bad. It does suck not having Ran 6, though. Ran 6 with these Dryad Omnath Soul of Windgrace decks is probably better than Karuga, but... I love the Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, Leyline Binding opening hands that you can get with this deck. I mean, that's just good deck building. Yep. It, it, I... Your Valakut does turn on your Leyline Binding once the Dryad's in play. I'm just saying. I... Well, okay, hold on. <laughs> No, I, I prefer if I'm going to play a Valakut deck, I want to play Ren 6. I don't want to play Karuga. But that's because I yeah. value playing like one of the best cards in Magic the Gathering. <laughs> oh, you just want to play like one of the best cards in the format? Yes. Okay. There, I think I mean, there's like two fine. very clear best cards in Modern and to me. And that would be like Ren 6 and Underworld Breach. Like those are the mm-hmm. two best cards to me. <laughs> if I'm not playing yeah. one of those, I need to, a very compelling reason. Yeah, Karuga to me is not that... Oh, and I guess you can count Ragavan, because you can play Mark Titan Scam. I think those are both reasonable decks. Sure. Luckily, Breach and <laughs> the Breach deck gets to play both, so the more powerful cards you can cram into your deck, the better. <laughs> the Breach deck, for a combo deck, just has, I mean, it has some bad cards in it, but it has a lot of really good cards between Ragavan, Underworld, Breach, Urza Saga. Like, that's a lot of just like, wow, this card does so much when I draw it. And I think that's why it's a good deck. It's because you just have... Your bad card is basically just grinding station. Your other cards are all mm-hmm. serviceable. Like, sure, you're playing a Springleaf Drum, but so do other Saga decks. And you're playing, I mean, I guess Mesh's Research Desk is a bad card. <laughs> <laughs> but Mox Amber is really good, even if you're not playing a like a combo deck. Sometimes you just have Emery or Ledger Shredder, and you get to play a Mox Amber and leverage it really well. Sure. Yeah. Like, that card is very good, and it's. I will expect it to see play in Pioneer given enough time, especially with the presence of Plaza of Heroes. It's just mm-hmm. you gotta have the format boil down to something other than what it currently is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll get there though. Like it's just one of those cards that's sitting there waiting for the right things to be printed to become incredibly powerful. It's a mox. Like, yeah. come on. A really good one. I enjoy that card a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm hope- hopeful we'll see another mox in the next year that would be cool 
I don't know if it would be healthy for the game, but I enjoy it more when there is something a little unbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. That's that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Okay. We can maybe do some limited later, later on, because you've only done a few drafts, right? Uh, I've or done a you fair just gone number so at this deep point over the Thanksgiving break. <laughs> I haven't gone like incredibly deep. And the fact that I'm just sitting here, like, I don't know, man, the aggro decks seem fine when everybody else is like, this is the most aggressive format since Zendikar. It's like, okay, well, I probably need to play some more so I can kind of get what's going on here. I do think a lot of learned discourse is unhealthily subsidized by like podcasts, mm-hmm. mostly the two big ones. Uh, like for better or worse, I'm not. I'm not saying they're always wrong or anything. But if it's slightly off, people just keep repeating it and don't really like yeah. use their own experiences. So it's always valuable to have. You know, I've played a bunch of games and I. It's not a hundred percent correct. Like that's a valuable piece of information. <laughs> yes. If if nothing else, the only thing I can communicate about limited is. The green black deck is really good and you never actually have to attack with your creatures like before turn 10 or so. You just kill their stuff and gain life and block and mill yourself and do all the like fun things that I actually want to do in a game of limited. So, you know, there's a deck for you if you don't want to be the aggro deck in the format. The fun green black cards. It's really fun. I the green black archetype is is nice in this format. See, I am usually on the the line of attacking people. I don't sure i don't actually like playing that long games limited. i get too nervous that i'm going to brick and lose <laughs> or, or take too long and to set up and stuff like that yeah or that your value engine is just less good than their value engine and then that you have no way of winning the game and you just have to play like two games in a match where every turn you're just falling more and more behind that's yeah that's not fun that 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 makes me a little hesitant to draft those kind of decks sure i want to be attacking my most recent green black deck, I had four copies and like past a late fifth copy of the uh, Seder Wayfinder guy, the one in a green, you mill three, you can get a land back. And then just like a ton of unearth, like value unearth, like the, <laughs> the mask that makes an XX and just various ways that you were turning your unearth things into cards. And it was just very satisfying playing long games with that deck. I I do like getting value with cards, but mm-hmm. you know, there's it's always a hard line. Yeah, I get it. I like getting value with my unearthed creatures. It's that's where I, that's where I'm, you know, shining. Yeah, and I mean, you, you do get the most value out of your unearthed creatures when your opponent's life total is precarious. So mm-hmm. that that is a helpful spot to be in as the aggressor when you have unearthed guys in your deck. But all right, I think that's probably enough for us today. Unless you got anything else you want to add. No, not right now. I'm good. Until next time. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing next time. We'll come up with something. Maybe limited. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what I get into. Probably going to play a modern RCQ this weekend, I think. So, you know, if I win that, then we'll come back and talk about that. And if I don't, then we won't talk about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate your time. Have a great week. Bye.